And, and, you know, it's that kind of value and experience, I think, in the sales process where, where we, we ourselves, even good people, and my, my sales guy here I'm referencing is very good, mm-hmm. but we can, we can sometimes lose that sight of, okay, yep. how do we, if we keep value always, always in mind, we'll find those answers. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special one for you guys today on the podcast. I have Jeff Janakovo. Did I do that there right? You, you did, man. <laughs> you know what saved me? a great me? start. What saved me was your website. You had the, the pronunciation out there. That's the huge, man. Yeah. I can't yeah. thank you enough for that. As a podcast host, that's massive. <laughs> well, listen, this might seem a little morbid, but I've often thought at the end of my time, will I have wasted about three or four days just saying how to say my name and spelling it so <laughs> I can help recapture some of that time more productively, which we're now just talking about. But uh, yeah, that's why I do it. It makes it easy. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So guys, Jeff is the co-owner of Gardner's Mattress and More. He's the founder of The Big Ticket Life, which is a podcast and a fractional chief visionary service for integrator-led businesses looking to grow 300% in five years. So what I love about that is that's the first time I've ever seen it. It's always like fractional integrator, fractional, you know, COO, whatever the case is. So I do want to point that out real quick, but you're also uh, a partner in several other companies, including Infotel Systems Mm -hmm. Incorporated. And most importantly, I think is the best stat on the board is you've been married for 22 years. So congrats on that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. So welcome to the show. What I want to what I want to start with is the uh, Drake meme that you posted recently. I loved it, and I wanted to make sure that that uh, Ryan showed that off for a second on your uh, Facebook page. Oh yeah, this is, yeah. If you could describe business ownership <laughs> in one meme, it is this: like hour to hour, day to day. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. When things are really good, things are flowing, and your team's on point, like. Yep. Also me, <laughs> but uh, I love this meme. So kind of, if you wouldn't mind, break down what inspired this and, and kind of the message yeah, you're I mean, to send here. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm being honest. I've been in my head this week a little bit, uh, really working through um, the leader that I am, where I'm going on a personal level, mm-hmm. just a lot of things changing right now uh, in life. We're, Got my 19-year-old becoming more and more of an adult. Got my 15-year-old more and more focused on his dream of playing football in college and helping him achieve that. Uh, Just there's a lot of stuff going on. And we had this real nasty uh, one-star review experience at the store that was legitimately unearned. You know, when you dig into it, you get through the the four days of the customer berating us and just Mm -hmm. turning into insults and vileness. It's like, man, what did we, where did we go wrong? I'm really trying to find a place because I really have a belief in humans that were better than that. But this, in this instance, we just weren't. 
and uh, or I say, you know, unfortunately, the customer just wasn't. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's 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 just been a week and and it was kind of cathartic to just put that out there. And, and now thanks for asking. So, yeah, I mean, I think the lesson is like, you know, business ownership, entrepreneurship, success, man, it ain't all, you know, unicorns. Mm-hmm. you know, puppies and kittens all the time. Sometimes it's just down and dirty and in the muck. And, uh, you know, this week's been, a, been a little bit of that. A lot of stuff I don't like doing that I got to do. Um, so that's all, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. I, I resonated so much with it when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, what is, what is Jeff post about lately? Let me go back. And I had already liked it, but, um, I, I, I didn't remember that you had posted that. I saw that and I was like, that's perfect. Let's kick it off with that. Cause that, yeah. that that's real, you know? Yep. And so yep. I definitely want to get into the, you know, the chief visionary stuff you're doing, the consulting mm-hmm. work, the partnerships that you created, but I, I, I want to lay, lay the foundation first and talk about your, what I'm assuming is your first like business that kind of led to all the other things, which is the uh, Gardner's mattress and more. So how did you get yep. into that business? How did that even come to fruition? Yeah. So Gardeners is actually like the third or fourth business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cause I had mobile DJing way back in the late nineties, early two thousands. I was uh-huh. in the wholesale side, sourcing uh, factory side of the furniture and mattress trade, you know, as a youngin, as a kid, my first business, like most kids was cutting grass and washing mm-hmm. cars in the neighborhood. Um, but yeah, Gardeners was an evolution of all of my skill and career development within the trade and industry and really was an answer to, hey, I'm missing a lot of stuff at home. I'm traveling so much. Um, I need to be home. And about 2010, 11, when that opportunity presented itself, uh, I took it because I was making, I was shipping more. When I wrapped up my wholesale factory career, I'd ship more in 2012 than I ever had, but I made more money in 08. So it was the right mm-hmm. time. Like I was just all this time, all this effort for a diminishing return. And there's one thing about me that can really get under my skin. And this I think is appropriate to your show mm-hmm. is, is, is when owners and presidents of companies start counting my money. That's when I turn off. Yeah. Um, like I went and sold at your price list just because I was successful doesn't mean you go punish me and take it out of my commission. And that's what happened from 08 to 12. It was, it, it was nasty. Well, walk, walk, walk me through that. Cause I'm not, I'm not following completely. And I, I know if I'm not, then maybe some of our listeners aren't sure. What do you mean? Uh, accounting your, your dollars. Like so raising their price or raising, you know, no, their fees? so, so like there were months where, you know, I mean, I had a, at the end of my career, I had like a 17 million, $18 million territory. Okay. My average commission at that point had dropped under 3%. But, you know, back in 08, when I was um, shipping about 14 million mm-hmm. and remember in that time period, we had a recession, right? Yeah. Um, so the growth wasn't quite as much as I would have liked, but still grew. But, you know, I, my average commission in 08 was like four and a half percent. So I was making more money mm-hmm. doing less work. And what happened is you would have, you know, your sales managers, your VPs, and even some owners of companies. I mean, they would make these snarky little comments say, you know, your check this month was really massive. That's more than I make. Yeah. Well, okay. That's yeah. Okay. Just, 
<laughs> right. Well, like, you know, hey, you know, you're welcome for going out and creating massive volume to generate a massive check. But let's also yeah. remember, sirs, um, you know, like one factory in particular, like, you know, that company Porsche drive, the GTS mm -hmm. and the $5,000 tires I see shipped to this store often. Like, I know you expense that. I don't get to do that. At least, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Right? right. So it was that, it was that feeling of they're like just always counting money yeah. and, and looking at, well, look at what these reps make and look at what I make. And it's like, well, Hey, we're out here risking it all on a 1099 paying mm -hmm. our way, mm -hmm. you know? So if you're unhappy with my compensation, well, then let's have a discussion about how you raise your margin. You know, why don't you, why don't you survey some of the sales team and say, Hey guys, we're feeling a little pressure here at this price point, this product, this service level. We may need to raise a price. What what's the feedback in the field going to be about that? But instead, it's just this this you know little snarky snippiness of you know your check was awful big this month. Yeah, did you finish signing it? Did you put a stamp on it yet? Mail that yeah. thing, please. <laughs> Man, you I know, couldn't. And, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and for me, like. I remember I was interviewing for a line and the sales manager, she said, what would be a way that would, would be the beginning of the end of our relationship? I said, not pay me. <laughs> yeah. And she was very taken aback at that. And I said, well, what's so surprising here? I said, I'm a hired gun. I'm going to go mm -hmm. out and represent your product. I mean, you're going to tell me what's great about it. I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to mm -hmm. go get it done. Uh, I was referred to you by seven or eight of my dealers for this spot. So yeah, like don't pay me. That's the way it goes. I said, actually, this is the system I follow. The check doesn't show up by the 30th of the following month. I only begin to answer calls on this topic for my key accounts. If it goes into the 10th of the next month, I stop everything altogether. And then by the 15th, I send a demand letter. And mm -hmm. at that point, we might just be finished. She was very put off by that. And it began this culture talk and all this stuff. I said, hey, the, the culture is great. I, I'm a team member. I want to be a team yeah. member. But, you know, do I get to participate with the company health insurance as part of the team? No, because you're 1099. Okay. Right. Are you going to, you know, give me some of that paid holiday juice that the office staff get? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you see where I'm going here with all due respect, like, don't count my money like and, and make sure it shows up at the same time. Like for me, that was always a very important thing because I was out there working hard, mm -hmm. you know, working hard. I mean, I, I bought one of those sprinter vans to drive samples around the countryside for crying out loud, you it's know, crazy. which meant, which meant I had to have a third vehicle when I had to be on dad duty. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't put baby seats in the back of those things. Doesn't work too well. <laughs> they bounce around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They think it's fun only for the first five minutes of whiplash. Yeah. After okay. that, the concussions and CTE kind of bother them. So I, I definitely want to break down what you said because I think it's incredibly important and it happens all the time. And, and it, I see it happen more on a, you know, million to $2 million level type company where the, the owner was a salesperson six months ago. Mm -hmm. And now they're in that ownership role, right? And now they're making, they're getting paid for making decisions versus getting paid for making sales and uh, generating yeah. revenue for the company, right? And then the, it happens, you know, it, it, it happened to me, like, I knew what I was building, 
know what I'm saying? So I was ready for my people to make more money than me. If you're out mm-hmm. there, and in my case, it was door to door, right? So if you're out there, you're knocking doors and you're, you're, you're working 60, 70 hour weeks and you're putting it in because you want to go out and get that money and you bring in four grand and you know, my CEO salary is two grand a week or something like that. And there's no profit that week, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case is and you make more money than me, I'm celebrating. That is a whole point of being in sales to make more money than your boss. That was at least the old school mentality that we had. It was like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to go out and make more money than my boss because I'm I'm in commission sales. I have no limit. He's got a limit, and it's his P&L. You know what I'm saying? And if he doesn't work that P&L correctly, then, yeah, I'm going to make more money than him, you know? And that that is something to be celebrated. Yeah, and, and and ownership is building what should be equity and value within the business as time goes along. Right. Exactly. There's that long game, right? That basis that exists. Mm-hmm. No, I just and, and and that was a a big part that that what is it called? Uh, not scarcity mindset, the opposite abundance mindset. Abundance, abundance yeah. mindset of understanding that hey, I may be I may be making less now, but in the long game, when we expand, I'll, I'll make more for doing way less, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the end goal. And by 18 or 19, you know, my margins were, were through the roof. Cause I was a very good business owner, you know what I'm saying? And I, I made more money with like 60% of the sales than I did with a hundred percent because I had finally figured out, okay, how do I do this efficiently? And my guys can still make more money than me if they, if they have a stellar week, you know? Right. That's right. the whole point of getting into sales is to tap that upper echelon through hard work, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And so I think that was incredibly important that you said that. And then the second piece of it is, yeah, you know, whenever if it, you know, and I have, I've fallen short of paydays. I've fallen short of commission amounts, stuff like that. And I've communicated with those people and I fully expect them to leave me. You know, so I mm-hmm. fully expect that. And, and of course, because of the culture, they don't, you know what I'm saying? But, right. uh, uh, when, when stuff like that happens, you should have a, like, Hey, this person is, you know, if they don't get their check, they, they could leave me tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Right. And right. Uh, that's, that's the risk you take, you know, when you make that call and it's never an easy call to make, of course. Yeah. And so, um, all right. So that was your original business. So you were doing regional sales, supplying, uh, mattress, mattress stores and, yeah, supplying yeah, other retailers, like yeah. independent retailers. Yeah, and Gardeners was a customer of mine. And Ben, my business partner now, came to me and said, hey, the original owner is selling this thing and I don't have the confidence to go on my own. I know you're a marketing guy because mm-hmm. I had been introducing my dealers to marketing, putting good ideas in front of them to add more value, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that 08 to 2011 period because things were rougher and we're, we're kind of going back into that season right now. Yeah. So like, if you're out there as a commission salesperson, really think of, you know, how is it that you do add more value? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I was writing ads for dealers and th- I didn't just wake up and do this. I'd been studying marketing and advertising since really about Oh five, but mm-hmm. really began to focus on it 2007 and forward. And, you know, it wasn't hard in our industry because it's just price product promotion. It's put a pretty picture, put a price, put a deadline. That's what everybody does. Yeah. So it wasn't hard to stand out and like write a compelling ad. It was having a dealer that would take the risk and go out on a limb. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I would say, well, the simple, the simple answer here is, is different. And so different is going to stand out. Yeah. And so it was adding that value that I did, but yeah, Ben came to me because of that reason with the opportunity and the rest is history. Here we are 2023. Mm-hmm. We've got a great team, you know, on the topic of teams and building a great team and culture. I mean, I find new ways to pay my guys more and keep them interested. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and it's all, it's all driven around our, our higher margin product, our product that we know stays in the home has less, you know, comfort guarantee returns mm-hmm. tied to it. You know, uh, the things that'll move the needle, we, we create different little compensation plans, bonuses within the structure to move those products. Um, while also keeping in mind, hey, the customers really got to enjoy it, right? Like they right. have to be happy with it. So it's always about finding that balance. But uh, we look, we constantly look for ways to do that. I love that you said that because you have to be in touch with uh, the, the core value of value, right? Mm-hmm. And so while the salesperson may want to take the path of least resistance and sell the lower margin product or the cheaper product so that they can get something yep. on the board and pay their light bill, um, you've, you're kind of structuring it so that they, not that they don't have a choice, but they're, they're well incentivized to sell the higher margin product, which inevitably is going to lead to better customer satisfaction, you know, but neither of them want that in the moment, right? Right. The salesman wants an easier sale. The customer wants a lower price, but they both end up happier afterwards. And that is freaking sales. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're encountering that resistance, you know what I'm saying? But we know that if everybody just trusts the process or trust what we're trying to package together for them and what we're trying to incentivize them to, that everybody's going to be happier at the back end. You know yeah. what I mean? It may be uncomfortable for the customer to spend that much. maybe uncomfortable for the salesperson to, to push the customer to spend that much, but they're so much happier on the back end. You know, I remember yeah. we, we had a U family, which was a base package and we had a U 300, which was like right before the big sports package and cable. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had this high high churn rate, and um, I, I tied it back to that you family because it was an easier sell, and the, and the customer saw it's cheap, and they thought that it had everything that they needed, and it and it didn't, and they they were they would cancel, and then they would be mad at AT and T or the product, you know what I'm saying? Right. Then, so we just, right. we just got rid, we just got rid of that package completely. We just got rid of it. You can't sell it. If you sell it, you get zero commission. You know what I'm saying? Right. And some guys would right. still sell it, so they could sell the internet with it, but. We told them zero commission on that. And then all of a sudden our churn got cut in half and our customer satisfaction went through the roof, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's where you have to trust that your, your values are aligned enough for you to make that decision to get that out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's incredible. We had, uh, you know, on that topic of, I can share an example that was just from, uh, I was heading out the door Monday afternoon from the store and I'm overhearing a conversation with my guy, newer guy to the floor. And, you know, I, I kind of had to stop. He's very good, but he came from a large chain store and, uh, you know, I kind of had to like shift that conversation and perspective a little bit. The customer has had spinal fusion. All right. Um, I mean, when you get to a spinal fusion, you've likely had your back operated on at least three or four other times, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you don't just go from back pain to fusion. There's Right. Been years of fusion limits your <laughs> movement, right? Incredibly. Yeah. yeah. Limits your movement, repairs those discs and nerves and, you know, removes them and just solidifies everything. And, 
you know, the biggest thing that I always share with customers about sleep and about finding the right bed is more often than not, it's the position you sleep in. The position, as I kind of joke, says position changes everything in the bedroom, right? And uh, <laughs> I like it, right? Yeah, it <laughs> makes everybody laugh. At least if you have a sense of humor, it makes you laugh. If you're, <laughs> you know, if you're a Puritan prude, you're like, no, no, no sex jokes for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, position does change a lot. And, you know, I just interjected and I said, you know, hey, Chad, why don't we show, I, I forget his name, but I said, why don't we show, uh, this gentleman here, what a bed base can do and how a bed base with a head and a foot move up and down can make an okay mattress really good, a good one, great, and a great one, incredible. Are right. you open to that? He's like, I'm open to anything that'll help my back. I said, I overheard budget. And I said, I got to tell you, you, you are working with a very small budget. I understand why you're on disability. I get it. I said, but I do care about how you sleep. And I said, I want, we want to fix that. So let's, what you need is a bed base. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Mm -hmm. But maybe we need to bite this off in parts. I overheard you have a memory foam mattress. That's going to work on a bed base. Let's think about getting a bed base in your home first and taking that mattress you don't enjoy now because a bed base will make it better because we're going to fix your position. And you, your the muscles are going to loosen up. All those connective tissues are going to loosen up. And that pain you're feeling in the morning from stiffness and soreness should reduce. Mm -hmm. It's like, no one has said this to me. Like, because you're asking for a mattress and we're talking about the value and the benefit of what you actually need. Right. So, and you know, we made the sale and, uh, now he's got, now he's got like the platform at home, the engine at home. Nice. He can save up some money and come back later. And who do you think he's going to buy his next mattress from? 100%. You know? Right. And, and, you know, it's that kind of value and experience, I think, in the sales process where, where we, we ourselves, even good people, and my, my sales guy here I'm referencing is very good, mm -hmm. but we can, we can sometimes lose that sight of, okay, yeah. how do we, if we keep value always, always in mind, we'll find those answers. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And, and I think we can keep going back and forth with examples all day. Mm -hmm. And that's such an such an important topic, you know what I mean? That you, this is why you can't always do what your salespeople want or what your customer wants, you know what I mean? Because you know it's not the best form. Right. And so, and that's why you're the expert, right? And so, yeah. at what point in your in 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 this business did you realize? You know, obviously, you always knew that. Hey, I'm good at sales. I'm good at marketing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. At what point did you pivot and say, hey? this is a whole nother business. This is a whole nother model that I can take and I can help other business owners and um, scale their businesses and create, yeah. you know, partnerships, ref share deals, passive income to, to a degree because of the value that you bring. When did you realize you had it? It was, it was really kind of from the start. Some of the early conversations with my business partner were, Hey, okay, bring me in. That's cool. But I don't, I don't want to be a guy that's going to sit in a retail store five, six days a week. Right. That's, that's not going to be me. Mm -hmm. uh, the value I'm going to bring is in the marketing I create, you know, I can share that out to the industry because I kind of have a name within the industry already. Mm -hmm. And so in 2014, so two, three, well, three years after we, we'd kind of dabbled with some sharing of stuff, some testing of things, but 2000, no, actually it was a little earlier might've been a year earlier, 
regardless, we we licensed our uh, our book marketing and authority book package. Mm-hmm. So we still to this day have a revenue stream where we license that marketing information out to other retailers. Um, we do CRM work, which has shifted and evolved into um, now we build these bigger systems for licensing organizations and manage the onboarding of their licensees and is keep this, the legal structure. Is the book marketing and the licensing for the CRM, is that all around mattresses and mattress marketing? Book marketing is uh, in um, in the betting industry. That's oh, its okay. own standalone package. And I've got like that little package right here, actually. I keep. So that's this little package here on camera. Those three informational right. guides, an actual book, and then like a gift book for a customer gift. Mm-hmm. Um, or a little referral tool, a networking piece, if you want something in your hand. Nice. Uh, use that gift book. But uh, the CRM work. We, we took that out to the industry at first and, you know, a good CRM is going to expose, it's going to fix one problem and expose two more. Yeah. And then it's a commitment of, am I, do I want to fix everything that needs to be fixed? Like, do I want to address these broken processes? Mm-hmm. And what, what ended up happening is we had a lot of business owners just say, please, for the love of God, give me back my terrible business I had before. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to manage this thing. I don't want salespeople griping at me about this, having to do that. Yeah. And it wasn't hard, but it was extra. Yeah. And they it's uncomfortable. It was well, and that's very uncomfortable. You know, people think that business owners all fit this profile, but there's levels to it. You know, there's mm-hmm. the ones that go out, make a few million create a half million dollar income, whatever the case is. And um, that's all they'll ever do, you know, and maybe they'll just switch from business to business, product to product, and they'll stay in that range, but it's because they're not willing to make their people uncomfortable and make themselves uncomfortable in the process. And it is, it is CRMs from a salesperson's point of view is another task, another job, another piece of work that they have to do. And now when they're making the same commission and now they have to do this extra little work on the side and you've spoiled them because all they had to do was sell before, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to stretch them and you may go backwards before you go forward during that process, you know? Yeah. In every instance where we had somebody leave, we could quantifiably show, Hey, your investment with us of 12 grand a year, which is what it was. Mm -hmm. We were returning you. You know, I think the lowest was 80 grand a year in gross. So mm-hmm. on a margin of say 45 points at the low side, yeah. you, you were still a three to one ROI here after you took out cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is, this is like bottom of the bucket, hole in the bucket, plugging it money. Like we're finding this money. Yeah. The biggest one was 350,000. And that guy was literally the guy who said, just please give me back my business. I don't care if you think it's shitty. I just want it back. I can't handle these people barking at me all the time. I know it's a lot of money. I know you think I'm crazy, you know, and in there, that ROI was in the 10, 12 to one range. That's crazy. After cost of goods, yeah. you know, and, and here's the most interesting thing about the way, what we build, the way we do it, because we use Infusionsoft, um, mm-hmm. Keep, it's now called. Mm-hmm. None of our people go inside. I don't even have a login. We use web forms. I love that. Pipe to your pipe to your email. So it's like check boxes, fill in the information. We connect all this cool stuff and fill you know, like it's like fill in the blank, check a box type stuff. 
most yeah. often is check a check a box submit and it's it's literally 30 seconds for an update and it doesn't mess up structure it doesn't mess anything up so it's cool and like we're but we're very on that business we're very focused in on some very niche niche customers and mm-hmm. it's neat it's neat to see how it works and and the the value we can add to those organizations but uh but yeah some people just don't want it they're just not right. willing to do the work I'll, I'll i'll double down on what you said there because I think that's important. It's like your your salesperson does not need access to the CRM. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in, in in the terms of those actions, right? If you can if you can take mm-hmm. them outside of the CRM and give them a web form to fill out, and that's all they have to do, they'll be happy as a clam. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Especially yeah. if you're managing the follow up process and bring them that customer back without them mm-hmm. having to do anything. <laughs> like, yep. Now yep. we're cooking with peanut oil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We had, we had just the other day in the, in the retail store. So we have a thing. So, you know, adjustable bed bases add value to a ticket. Not everybody buys one, but we track it. Mm-hmm. Did you buy a mattress that could have one under it? And then about nine, I think the timer is about nine months down the road. You know, we want to get over the comfort guarantee period, not throw too much at the, at the customer. Right. We want them to get into it. Right. And about nine months in, we're like, Hey, you're probably really loving your bed. Um, this isn't the exact copy, but you know, yeah. the theme you're loving your bed. You can, you know, you got half of the system. We can complete it and then we'll actually buy back everything you invested in with us to put under that mattress. We'll buy it back at hundred percent and come out and deliver the new bed base for free. So it's a really great offer because mm-hmm. uh, they don't lose any value. Like even the most frugal person can say, ah, geez, if they just would have said this to me originally, I'd have bought it and I'd save that other delivery fee. We take yeah. that objection off the table. Yeah. And so in walks three weeks ago, a customer with one of those emails in hand, um, cause it's like print it, print it out, bring it in or show it on your phone for the coupon. And, uh, mm-hmm. the next guy up was my new guy, Chad. And he's like, that was the easiest sale I've ever made. Exactly. I get to sell a $1,600 bed base, make a little spiff, you know, make, make some money and wait, this happens. I said, yeah, it happens. All you, those forms we told you about. Just update them. Retention says, through the roof. He says, oh, wow. Yeah. I said, yeah, this is how our business works. And uh, so, yeah, those the, the CRM is really powerful. But yeah, like I tell people, I don't know, you get this question, I'm sure. Which one's best? And to me, that's the worst question <laughs> that you can ask. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the best outcome is you got to you got to like whiteboard this thing out and yeah. lay it. Maybe a whiteboard is too old school for some, but mind map it paper, pen, whatever your process is, you really got to think about your workflow and, and your process and your procedures and who's going to interface with it. And ultimately, what does the customer experience? Mm-hmm. Lay all that out and then yeah. go shop that need against the, the available solutions. That's so incredibly important what you're saying, because there's so many cookie cutter CRMs that are being sold mm-hmm. right now that mm-hmm. The, the business owner just wants to turn them on and be done. And that's right. like, it's impossible, right. you know? So for a lot of my clients, what I've been doing, because I know those exist and I know they need a CRM, I've been ma- I've been doing that mapping for them. You know what I'm yep. saying? Even though I know that the CRM experts can come in and do their own, I want them to see what we want and then put their spin on it, put their flavor, their expertise, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, um, but this is the, the goal. Right. Yeah, you give them the blueprint. Yeah, we give them the blueprint and then they come in and they make it better. They enhance it. Right. 
Yep. They put their fit and finish on it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you talk about a lot is you've enjoyed being able to, for a long time now, only work on the business instead of in the business. Mm -hmm. For you, is there like a high level kind of formula that you follow to be able to accomplish this? Because you're going into other businesses and doing it on a consistent basis. So this isn't just your own business you've done this yep. with, which you put years and years into. Yep. You're probably doing this in other businesses. You go in for six months and then you're you're in and out kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I try to actually on a board call yeah. or something after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I try to have a more on the, in the big ticket life consulting branch mm -hmm. of my world. Uh, those relationships are measured right here. Hands. Okay. No more than 10 relationships type of thing. Yeah. Cause it's a very involved, very tight relationship. I mean, the goal that I have for these relationships is if you got young kids, I want to be invited to the wedding. And when my yes. boys get married, you're coming to my kid's wedding. Like that's yes. the kind of connective relationship I want. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that level of consulting is not about coaching groups and digital products and get my course. Right. I have no time and energy for anything like that. Right. Not on my own. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I get in and, and really work tight and, and my, my system and process is, is simply this. Are these actions, is this time focused on solely making good decisions for the business? And if it's not, well, then I'm not bringing value as that visionary officer to the business. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're, if we're sitting down in front of a spreadsheet about what expense to cut, because we have to drop 12% to be profitable this month, mm -hmm. there's a whole other set of conversations that needs to be happening instead. Right. Because, all right, let's cut 14%. What do we do next month? You know, we don't have an expense problem. We got a revenue creation problem. Right. You know, yes, we have to monitor expenses, but mm -hmm. if we're looking to cut, cut costs to be profitable, the, the, the real answer is we've got a, we've got a revenue problem here. And, um, see, that's what I tell my wife all the time. I just need to make more money. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's exactly what it is. We don't yeah. need to cut expenses. I need to make more money. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm very fortunate. I just, you know, uh, I just told my wife, she, my wife is like super frugal. Um, and, uh, I was going to take her out to Las Vegas with me for our industry's trade show in July, which is like Vegas in July is not fun per se. Okay. And, uh, I just kind of, I just pulled the plug on that plan, even though she had eventually got behind it. I just knew we, she'd be like kind of in her own head the whole time we're there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause I'm not, I, I fly first class that far. Uh, you know, we would stay in a nice hotel and I like, you know, I don't have a problem spending the money. I have a problem spending the money and having both of us not enjoy it. Right. And I just knew that that would be, would be a problem. So I'm like, let's, let's find a different game plan um, yeah. for that money. But, uh, but yeah, for me, it's about those good decisions and being in that seat of good decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why this week's been a struggle because I'm, I'm kind of gotten sucked into some things that need to get done and yeah. aren't necessarily my wheelhouse, my lane of things. Uh, it's important. It, it, it has to happen. Well, I have that visionary mind. I've also got an empathetic mind to the integration aspect. Like it's got to happen mm -hmm. and somebody has yeah. to do it. And, and in this case, it's just we have to do it. And, and that's we is me. And so, yeah. You just gonna, described just describe my whole year 
because I essentially started a new business at the beginning yep. of the year. So it's like, yep. I don't have the revenue to have all these, you know, pieces in place yet. And mm -hmm. so I have to learn them along the way. So I know a little bit of what I talked about. So when I do outsource it, or when I do bring in the expert, like, I, I, I don't get hosed or I actually know what's happening, you know? Yeah. And so that's incredibly important. So let's pivot a little bit here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a big sales program guy. You know, when I work with my clients, it's it's niched around the sales program, right? Mm -hmm. um, a big part of what you do is is you know very uh, uh, adjacent to that, which is the sales, the customer experience, mm -hmm. right? To me, they go hand in hand, you know, because I've, I've been hyper focused on the sales rep experience for a long time because I I, I had a sales org, and that's all we did was sell. Right. My product was right. the salesperson. You know what I'm saying? My, my client, I should say, was the salesperson. And so, um, but on the flip side of that, I would love to hear kind of your um, philosophy on the customer experience and where, where someone that, you know, is in, let's just say home services should start with that in terms yeah. of auditing their customer experience. Uh, you know, it's cliche, but the experience is everything. I'll say it this way through this lens. Uh, and it kind of touches on summer in Las Vegas. Walt Disney World, has the, the moniker, the happiest place on earth. Okay. Well, from about this time to late September, October, so half the year, Florida sucks from a weather standpoint. It's hot. It's humid. It rains every afternoon from like two to four. Disney's actually carved out their own little revenue making stream of rain ponchos and umbrellas in those two hours every every day for six months of the year, but it's still the happiest place on earth. And people line up in a concrete jungle for hours at a time for 30 seconds of a joy ride on a coaster, but it's the happiest place on earth because of the experience. And so specifically through, you know, home-based service type businesses, I would, I would challenge everybody listening to do this. If you think you're impervious to being big box, to being Amazon, to being done better by just making the exchange, walk out the door of a Costco and look to your left and they've got windows, HVAC, car repair, and any other myriad of home-based services and consumer-based services, teeth, mm -hmm. okay? They make the exchange and they're good at it. They're actually mm -hmm. really good at it. Yeah. So does Amazon. Amazon can predict when an exchange is gonna happen because they know the data on your customer and they can put an ad in front of them for Invisalign. They can put an ad in front of them for, you know, this kit to repair your HVAC unit because you've been buying more filters. You've been, you know, I don't know if you can still put Freon in your AC or not at home. I, uh, no I know idea. you used to be. <laughs> What's that? So I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But, but let's say you could, they've got that kind of algorithmic data set to where they're going to start feeding your customer ads about what you might be selling them. And if you're just a business that's constantly looking to make the exchange service for dollars, retailer product for dollars, that's a tough road to hoe today. I mean, in my industry, I talk to guys all the time, like, oh, I can beat Amazon. I can beat Mattress Firm. I can beat uh, Costco and Sam's Club. I'm like, really? All of those guys have apps and they can put notifications of the next sale, ding dong, right in the phone. Can you do that? No. 
at best, at best, you can run a good AdWords campaign and hope it gets in front of them when they decide to search. Yeah, through retargeting. Instead, yeah, instead, if you commit to an experience and really uh, digging into that, and I can share some examples, but that referability factor goes way up. And then you meet what I like to call the story to behold and the story to be told. So the behold is the experience, mm -hmm. right? And then the betold is who they're going to talk to about you. Because if you only just focused on price, you might make a lot of people happy because they got something cheap from you. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about their rich uncle or their grandparents or their parents. Yeah. If they're just talking about price, well, those people are never going to come to you and they're the ones you need. Yeah. They're the cherry on top of your Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. So that behold is the experience. The betold is the referability. You know, I mean, we go down like to get right to it. Sales process wise, we make that an experience. Our greeting is tell me why you're shopping for a mattress. Then we go into, would you be open to sitting down over here in this place away from the product? Mm -hmm. So we can have a conversation about how our needs might, how your needs might fit our solutions. I love that. I, I've never heard of a mattress yeah. store that does that. And, and that, yeah, that's. It's massive because you're actually qualifying the customer before they they start getting the dopamine hits of laying on the product or experiencing the product. Mm -hmm. Like you're making sure that what they experience and what they get excited about is exactly what they need. Yep. That's that's freaking huge. Never heard of that. And, and yeah, and I think that fits a lot of businesses. You know, hey, let's let's schedule a time. Let's see how how our services might be a fit to what you need in your home. You know, and, and really the the people that hear that a certain way will sell themselves to you about why they should be your customer. Because we've had it happen. We've had people say, well, what do you mean? You mean you're not going to sell me a mattress? Well, maybe we have to find that out. Okay. I want to understand that your expectations are in line. Maybe that's around the gentleman with the spinal fusion. Maybe that's around the person with the budget. Maybe that's around the person who's had four mattresses and they've exchanged them all. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, they exchange them. They call the store up the next morning. They're like, this thing sucks. Take it out of my house. Well, that might very well be. The salesperson didn't set a right expectation of saying, hey, getting a new mattress is like being like me, unphysically fit and then deciding tomorrow morning to run a marathon. I'll do it because I don't quit, but I'm going to hurt like an SOB. Like I'm going to hurt bad. Yeah. Now, if I give it 30 days and train for 30 days, I'll finish the marathon. I might finish in the bottom third and I'm yeah. not going to feel like I want to die. Right. But if we that if we don't set that expectation with our customers that, look, yes, you have an exchange process with us. Yes, we have your back. Yes, we're going to make you happy. But it's got to work this way because yeah. you have to retrain your body. You've had your mattress for 17 years, Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell. Okay. That's 17 years of muscle memory that we have to undo. Mm -hmm. So the reason you've been frustrated with those four other places is I'm guessing they didn't tell you that. No, they didn't. Okay. Well, we are. So if you're willing to accept that, we can work together. If you're not, we can't. Because I'm not going to, we love hearing from our customers. We love working with our customers. We're communicative in many ways. Uh, we're open seven days a week. But the one conversation we refuse to have is the morning after take this thing out of my house because it sucks. 
Yeah. We will not, we will not entertain that conversation. And, and just, go ahead. Yeah. And when you set up the right expectation, said the right way, brought up the right way, all of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the customer's like, okay, I got you. All right. Now walk me through this. Like now you're that kind of trusted, uh, trusted source. I love it, brother. I love it so much. <laughs> like the, the qualification piece of getting them to sit down and actually talk about it before mm -hmm. they start touching everything and, you know, to get confused, you know, essentially like yep. you can take them to, you know, maybe a medium cost option and a high cost option and, and, and hit them with both benefits and you're, you're targeting your sales pitch versus spray and pray, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awful. It's massive. There's, to me, there's nothing worse as a salesperson than feeling like you're being led around by the collar. Mm -hmm. Right. 100%. Yeah. You're basically like, following the customer around the lot, you know, it's <laughs> awful. It's just yeah. awful. Like, like, please, please, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, please bestow your money upon me. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible feeling. It's a terrible dynamic, you know, and, and for the value of the customer, they're not getting your best in that, in that situation. They're just not. And so taking control and, and putting the presentation into that right place and situation mm -hmm. is so powerful. I actually picked that up from uh, studying marketing, studying Dan Kennedy. And that was that's a direct swipe from when in the early 80s, he went to chiropractors who were famous for just charging 10 to 15 bucks to Adjustment. crack your back once. Yeah. Put the cash in a box on the wall which is yeah. literally how it was done. Like uh -huh. you walk in the room, you put your $10 bill in the box, you lay down on the table, snap your back and you're out. He instead says, no, no, you gotta, you gotta prescribe how you're going to actually fix their back. Mm -hmm. You gotta have a prescription fit and solution and a care package. And it's going to be a 12 week run and it's going to be $8,000. Mm -hmm. And this happened, this was legitimately done throughout the eighties and early nineties. And it was done because that whole, conversation didn't happen adjacent to the torture device of the table and, and the bright light from the x-ray box on the wall wasn't like blinding the one eye of the customer so they're like winking at you as you're talking <laughs> they're in a nice room with ergonomic chairs that as soon as you sit down your back feels good so subconsciously you're, like, yeah. subconsciously you're like oh my gosh this guy's already fixing me yeah okay and that's where i got that from it's beautiful. And just Love applied it. it, applied it into what we do. All right, brother, we can talk for the next three hours about yeah. this. <laughs> we yeah. really could. But I, I, I want to make sure that we talk about some of the really cool things that you're doing. And sure. uh, it must have been a year ago, you and I were having a conversation and, and it must have went to the, uh, the subject of liberty in general. And just mm -hmm. out of your pocket, you pulled... Uh, uh, U.S. Constitution out of your pocket and handed oh, yeah. it to yeah. me, and handed it to me, and that was such a cool mm -hmm. moment because I was like, okay, I know, like this is what Jeff's about, you know. And so you've got your Signer Fifty Seven brand, which is uh, clothing and apparel, but more than anything, it's 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 a a movement, I would say, you know, what I'm saying. So can you tell us a little bit about what inspired that and um, what the listeners can get if they if they go check that out? Yeah, yeah. So. I say this as like a natural born Canadian, less than four year U.S. citizen. I mm -hmm. love this country, like love this country. 
if I knew I wouldn't screw it up right now uh, with my camera set up, I would flip the camera over to where I do some video in the same studio. I've got a floor to ceiling banner with the constitution and my logo and um, Sounder 57 is about standing up for true liberty, true freedom, the foundation of our nation. When you really study that, you know, the revolutionary war period, we kind of learned in school, but mm -hmm. that period between the revolutionary war and the establishment of our constitution is very interesting. And it took 56 signers to sign the declaration, but then the men to get us to the, the founding of our constitution. And so that resolve is needed more than ever to really stick up for what we fought for, what we believe in, thus mm -hmm. signer 57. You and me would be that 57th signer, knowing the sacrifices, which included death for some, mm -hmm. um, included stripping massive amounts of wealth, torturing family members, you know, my belief is we need we need people to stand in that gap today and and really stick up to be that 57th signer to pick up on their sacrifice. I love it, brother. And and if uh, if people want to join kind of that philosophy and that movement, mm -hmm. um, where can they go? Signer57.com. Oh, you made it easy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the I got the URL. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very simple. nice. All yeah, right, brother. Yeah, we've got some uh, nice apparel up there and some blogs that you can share. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So part of the issue with being a consultant is like you said, your amount of clients are on two hands, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's because you typically have, you know, equity or ref share or some type of skin in the game with yep. those deals, you know? Yep. And so not everybody can afford that. Not everybody's at the stage at which they can bring somebody like you in and actually scale the business because they're just building the foundational stuff, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so um, something that you guys created recently, and I, and I think your partner in this is Matthew Rota. Is that correct? Yep. Battlefield, Battlefield Alliance. Alliance. Yep. Yeah. Y'all created the Battlefield Alliance, which is a mastermind where, you know, everything we're learning on this podcast, which is amazing, brought some of the best value of any one of my guests. I can tell you that 100%. Thank you. Yep. Um, Thank you. They can go in and, and learn from you guys. Yeah. through the the battlefield alliance can you walk us through that a little bit what how that yeah, structure is set up yeah and earlier in the show i said about how i'm not equipped to deliver the typical uh like internet guru right. package of things right like courses yeah. and groups because i'm just not and if i'm going to take your money i'm going to make sure you have you have the experience and mm -hmm. so matt clay and myself have come together for this mastermind experience through our group the battlefield alliance and it's really about, you know, business owners looking to hit that next level, have a group that a group of people they can call their own, that they can rely on, that they can lean into. Um, and really three times a year, we're getting together for a true uh, mastermind experience where we're in a room for a day and a half and you're on the hot seat and you're getting the whole group pouring into your hurdle, your problem, your objection, your opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's something personal. Um we have some calls throughout the month. We have some availability to us throughout the month. And then we have some check-ins that keep nice. you on track. And, and it's only because I have those two other guys beside me that I could be a part of it. Um, Cause otherwise I just, I don't have the time and right. I don't, I don't feel I'm personally equipped to, um, to be the one to, to manage what those members need on my own. Yeah. Um, additionally, everybody learns in a little different way. 
And I think the dynamic of having three unique individuals who are all purposely focused and aligned on seeing people win and succeed and level up uh, is unique. I've not really seen that in other coaching type opportunities. Right. And, and so with a team of three, you don't get three of us all the time, 100% of the time. Right. But you get you get us as a group and we're constantly talking about our members in the background mm-hmm. and, and sharing like, hey, I think Oleg needs to do this. I think Pete needs to do that. I think Billy needs to do this. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's that's how we function. So it's a really unique thing. It's a tremendous value uh, as far as a mastermind experience goes, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I'm in a few of them. I mean, yeah. we're, we're in Apex together. Yeah. Yep. We're in Apex together. I'm in uh, two other ones that are one's a copywriting focused one and one's more of a marketing focused one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the value is there. And uh, I'm really enjoying that right now. Yep. Well, and I think that's what it takes is is being a client before you're the provider. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've just released mine too recently and it's, it's very uh, sales team focused, right? Uh, this is something you're going to join if you're building a, a new sales program or if you're scaling your current one. And uh, I'm doing everything I love about my other masterminds, you know what I'm saying? Which is the, 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 uh, the breakout sessions, you know, and mm-hmm. teaching limited to 15, 20 minutes. Right. And then really getting into the weeds with them, you know, which right. is the fun part and which is probably your specialty, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And so, yeah. um, I love it, brother. We'll, we'll include the link for that as well in the show notes. And oh, so um, my last piece, uh, and this is what I ask everybody, and uh, I always get some amazing answers, and I, and I expect nothing less of you, no pressure. And so um, my question is, uh, what does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Mm. So, yeah, this is a good one. Um, and sorry, I'm itch- itching my eye. My contact lens just did a backflip in my eyeball. Um, <laughs> It's always funny when that happens. I'm like, the timing is always. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, he can't answer this question. That's a massive tell. No, it's just my contact. uh, (laughs) Uh, So legacy means for me, uh, really it's, it's about Janakovo. It's about the people understanding what that name means. Um, You know, we started off the show. It's easy to say. Um, So our family history is really weird. It's kind of wild. My personal family, man, I could, we could have a six part lifetime mini series on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my personal background and upbringing as well. And uh, it comes to, it really comes down to my two boys to carry forward the Janakovo name. Um, and that's important to me. It's important to me that they're good men, that they're family men, that they uh, do something that's important to them and that they do something for what will be their community around them. Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm working to lead by that example with them. And uh, to me, that's that's the that's the legacy that I want, you know, for myself, for my sons. What was the second part of the question again? Uh, what legacy are you going to leave behind? So what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah, the, I mean, the legacy behind for me would be um, – people just didn't think of me as successful. They thought of me as having a significant impact. Mm-hmm. So, and to me, I measure that in the communities in which I live and do work. Um, 
you know, I was, uh, for the retail business, we have a podcast show where we just focus on the community and we focus on community organizations and charities and local heroes. And we put shine and light on them because mm -hmm. they, they don't have the time to do it. They don't have the ability to produce a nice podcast like you and I do. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do that for them. Um, that's significance to me. Uh, the people that have worked for me, uh, I want to have been able to change their life. We just had a guy leave who my new guy I've referenced a couple of times filled that role. You know, he shared with us when he came to us 10 years ago, he's like, yeah, you guys didn't know this, but I was really on the verge of bankruptcy. Wow. And because I came to work with you, like my whole life has done a 180. And I never thought we'd get out of the house we're in, but we're actually buying a bigger house in upstate New York where we're moving. Yeah, and it's because of you guys. And, um, you know, we were at a funeral of one, a team member that had passed away, unfortunately, due to cancer. Uh, he was with us for 10 years. Or I'm sorry. He was with us for seven years. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that legacy for me is about the impact that I make for the people around me. How have I affected them? How have I helped them in life? Um, that's the kind of legacy that I, that I want to leave. That's significance for sure. I love it, brother. I appreciate you sharing, sharing that with yeah. us. And I think, you know, because I've gotten over 150 answers on this, the thing that stuck out for me is um, your, your, your family name. I think mm -hmm. so many people get caught up in the impact piece so much. They want to like shy away from being selfish about that. And I, and, yeah. and I think you should, because that is the, like, that's what they can tie it all to. The, the impact my dad had, and now he's pat he I have his name, and I need to carry that through. You know what I'm saying? And that's the that's the the vehicle for that legacy is is that last name. You know? Yeah. If 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 you want to feel what I'm saying, if you've ever watched the movie Kingdom of Heaven, uh, it's an older movie, or I think mid 2000s it came out, um, or early 2000s. But you can go on YouTube and just like search the end of Kingdom of Heaven and Salahuddin, the Muslim character who ends up taking over Jerusalem from the Christian uh, character, Balian. Balian says, what does Jerusalem mean? And he says, it means nothing. And it's like he's Balian, the, the guy that just lost Jerusalem is defeated. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Salahuddin turns around and he says, it means everything. And. To me, that's what this whole Janakovo, my name means. Like for everybody outside, it, it doesn't really mean anything. But for me, it means everything. So if you want to feel that, you want a connection to that more than my words, go watch that movie or watch that part on YouTube. It's pretty profound. Awesome, brother. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I want to respect your time. And yeah, um, thank you. You know, if you're listening to this, you know, and you in you've gotten something from the show, go show support, jump on. Jeff's page or uh, check out the different things that he's got got going on with signer 57 battlefield Alliance, the podcast for sure. Go drop a, listen to the podcast episode, drop a review, support this man because what he's spitting is real, real gold game guys. So again, Jeff, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com 
or click the link in the description to find out more.